Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast, and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to our Monday Night Truth and Liberty live cast. I'm glad that you're with us tonight. I'm Andrew Womack and we've got Richard Harris here. He's our chief counsel. He also directs our Truth and Liberty and we are just glad that you're with us. You know, Richard and I were visiting earlier this evening and it is just phenomenal the way that God is blessing this ministry and it's beginning to get traction. It's yes, making a difference and tonight we've got Congresswoman Vicki Hartzell that's with us. She's a representative from Missouri to the U.S. Uh, Congress, and we'll be introducing her and talking to her more in a little bit. But uh, she's on the Armed Services Committee, and she's uh, got a lot of things that she's involved in that I think that the, her input, her outlook on things being there is going to really be a blessing to you. So I want you to stay tuned. But first, uh, Richard, we need to tell them we got a lot of stuff going on here. Yes, always. We got a lot of things and how they can get involved and also they can ask questions. Tonight. That's right. Yeah, well, thank you, Andrew, and thank you to all of you for watching tonight. I'm excited about tonight's show. Um, Vicki Hartzler is one of the heroes in the U.S. Congress, so this is a real blessing uh, to be able to have her on. But first of all, I wanted to mention tonight, hopefully you're watching on our website at truthandliberty.net. Uh, we just got censored again by YouTube, which as Andrew was saying is a badge of honor. <laughs> We're not ashamed right. of that. But watch directly on our website where they can't censor us uh, and uh, you'll be glad you did. Um, also on our website, be sure to check out our resources page that's chock full of things to help you be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. And uh, one of the new resources we've got up there is Andrew's uh, next uh, installment in his legacy product, Biblical Worldview on Socialism. Uh, our world desperately needs uh, the accurate perspective, the biblical perspective on socialism. So have that's something you can that? check. At the, yes, I have. I tell you what, I watched that, and that's one of the best things that we've ever produced. It's awesome. It was powerful. And I, I tell you, Congressman Bob McEwen and mm. E.W. Jackson, Bill Federer, myself and others, uh, it's, it's just amazing. If you hadn't gotten that, you really need to get it. Yeah, if you, if you watch that and still believe in socialism, well, <laughs> something's wrong with you. We need to lay hands on you. We've got some amazing events coming up here at Andrew Womack Ministries, including uh, the Gospel Truth Conference in Orlando on February 10th through the 12th. So that's just right around the corner. That's always a great time. And then the Karis Campus Days at Karis Bible College. That's April 6th through the 8th. And uh, I always uh, say this, but that's one of my favorite events of the year. That's where God really touched Donna and me and uh, set us on our journey to come out here to go through Karis and look where we are today. It changed our life. If God's speaking to you about a new direction or about His calling on your life, there is nowhere better for you to be than Karis Bible College. I promise you that. Uh, the David musical written by Robert and Elizabeth Murin. 
Uh, it's personally my favorite of all the ones that they've done because it shows David's tender relationship with the Lord and it's just, it'll move you to tears. It's awesome. That's April the 8th through the 10th and you won't want to miss that. You can register on uh, the AWM website at awmi.net slash events. And then after that, the Washington DC Gospel Truth Conference. Maybe Congresswoman Hartzler will come see you there. I don't know. But that's uh, May 19th through the 21st uh, in the DC area. So get more information on the AWM website there. And um, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, I really want to encourage you to go to our website, upper right hand corner, click subscribe and give us your email and we'll start sending you all the amazing blog posts, emails and newsletters that we put out here at Truth and Liberty. Uh, it's an amazing amount of material, but it's all really good to equip you and help you stand for truth. If you do, we'll send you a free product in the mail. Last week we gave away Andrew's book, find, How to Find, Follow and Fulfill. God's will. And uh, congratulations, Lisa Leachman. You won that and uh, that'll be coming to you in the mail uh, soon. This week, we're giving away more grace and more favor. I think this is still your most recent book, right? This is on, you don't know. <laughs> I write these things two years before they put them out and I, I don't know. But anyway, got so many books you can't they're all track. good. I don't yeah. have any bad books. This is on humility, which to me is the, a hidden gem, one of those keys of the kingdom that'll uh, unlock God's power and provision in your life. So be sure to subscribe today and be eligible for that. And uh, also, uh, as Andrew said, this is an interactive live cast. Be sure to post your comments and questions uh, there in the chat function on our website or if you're on Facebook in the comment section there. And we'll do our very best to get to those tonight with Congresswoman um, Hartzler. And then we have um, also, uh, we do what we do through the generosity of our members at Truth and Liberty. And believe me, we are doing some stuff. It is awesome. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can go on our, our website, truthandliberty.net, go to the donate page and just sign up to be a recurring donor, automatic giving of $5 or more per month. And you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And we'll send you Alex McFarland's latest book, The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. Praise the Lord. By the way, your, ta your gifts to Truth and Liberty Coalition are not tax deductible because we're 501c4. Last thing I want to mention tonight is how um, if you need prayer, just call in 719-635-1111 and a trained, Word of God trained, Spirit-filled prayer minister will be standing by to agree with you in prayer. So that's all I've got, Andrew. Back to you. All right. So tonight we are really blessed to have Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler with us. She's from Missouri. She ran uh, and was a state representative uh, for, I think it was six years. If I'm wrong, she can correct me. But then she ran for the U.S. Congress and she's been representing Missouri. And she serves on a lot of committees. She's passed legislation about uh, to stop the sex trafficking, to empower uh, the um, police to do things about that. She's passed uh, legislation or submitted legislation for drug and just a lot of different things. Like I said earlier, she's on the Armed Forces Committee where our Congressman Doug Lamborn is on there and they know each other. She's also good friends with David Barton, which is a great recommendation for anybody. David Barton is one of our Truth and Liberty uh, board members. And so I've got a four page bio. I didn't do you very good, uh, Vicki, but we are really glad to have you on our program this evening. Well, I'm so glad to be here. This is a, a real wonderful blessing. And you said that you used to listen to me when on cassette tapes way back in the 80s. And so we've had a connection, even though we didn't yeah. know each other. No, so I, I, it's nice to meet you now officially, not just have a voice. 
Well, that's great. So how did you uh, get these tapes? Did you see me on, uh, on uh, I guess, his radio back in the 80s? Was it radio or somebody gave you a tape? How'd that happen? Well, it was actually my husband's. Uh, he, he went to Oral Roberts University his first two years, and uh, he picked up several of your cassette tapes. And then after we met and got married, then he shared some with me. And it was really uh, great. I appreciate your just your teaching and how you just make the Word of God uh, so understandable. And so it's it's really great to connect with you again. And I appreciate what you're doing to try to encourage people in America right now at this very, very critical time to get involved and to stand and to pray and to once again preserve and protect our foundational freedoms which are under attack. So thank you for all that you do at Truth well, and Liberty. I'm not only speaking for myself, but for all of our viewers, man, we just praise God that Christians are getting involved in government. And that's one of the reasons we started Truth and Liberty. And your story, uh, we want to talk about some of the current things and get your perspective, but your story really, uh, you wrote this book. Could, could we see this copy yes, of the sir. book? Absolutely. She wrote a book basically about just you need to get involved, step by step to a successful political campaign. And so uh, you just started and praise God have been elected and, and share with us how you got involved in all this. Sure. Well, I believe that God has a plan and purpose, a good plan and purpose for every one of his uh, children. And when I was nine, I asked Jesus into my heart. And then soon after that, I was making mud pies on my front sidewalk. And I was talking to God going, well, what do you want me to be when I grew up? I knew I wanted to be a wife and a mother, but was there something else I could do to make a difference for God and others? And I thought of a couple of things and I went, nah. And then the thought came in my head, you could be a state representative. And really? I thought, yeah. At nine years I old. <laughs> I know. Man, I that's know. bound to be a calling. Yeah. That's not many well, nine-year-olds so. think that way. That's great. Yeah, but I was always drawn to public policy after that. Always wanted to go to the state capitol and tour it. Our school usually went in eighth grade. And when I was in the seventh grade, they announced this was going to be the last year that they were going to take the field trip. And uh, I was very disappointed. But when I did get to go in college, it was a really disappointing experience uh, because the person I was with started pointing out people down on the house floor and that we were in the gallery looking down. He says, well, that guy's having an affair with his secretary. That guy's having an affair with his intern. That guy's an intern, um, an alcoholic. Anyway, were I Were they just, talking about a president? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was some elected officials right yeah. there and they were all smoking and my eyes were watering from the smoke and I was so disappointed and but it planted a seed in me and that it shouldn't be that way. That people should act the same way away from home as they do at home, that they should try to live up to the mail that they receive that says the honorable so and so. And yeah. so um when I my husband and I got married and we're talking about things, I became a teacher, but I said, you know, maybe someday I think God may call me to run for state representative, but we assumed I'd be a senior citizen because that's all I'd known growing up is it was kind of a, a retirement job. So I was surprised I'd only been teaching 11 years and I was grading papers one night and the phone rang and a, an elderly man I'd known since I was a little girl was on the other line of the phone and he said, did you hear our state rep is retiring? And I said, well, yeah, I read it in paper and he said, well, some of us were talking and thinking who might be good to run, and we thought of you. Would you run? And wow. I had a flashback to that um, cap day at the Capitol, and I said, no way. Politics is dirty business. I don't want to have anything to do with it. It costs money. We're a teacher and a farmer. We don't have money, and thanks, but no thanks. 
And then he said the question I would encourage everybody to ask someone when you're praying about and trying to get good people to serve in public office. He said, would you think about it? Would you pray about it? And when he said that, then I had the flashback to the mud pie experience when I was nine. And I thought, oh, maybe this is something I really wow. should, we should pray about. And anyway, so my husband and I prayed and at the end of the, the time, right before filing closed at Sunday during church, one day I was praying and singing praise and worship songs and a song came up and I was asking God, just show me if I was supposed to do this. And the, the words of the song said, draw me into you and let us run together. <laughs> and it just seemed like a direct message that I was supposed to run and I didn't know if I was going to win, but I, I ran, I went and I served six years, three terms in the Missouri House, then uh, became a mom through answer to prayer, uh, uh, through adoption. And so I chose not to run for reelection in 2000. And, but during that time, I, that's when God gave me the idea for the book, because uh, I'm a former teacher and so many people had asked me hey, I want to run for county office, or I, I think I want to run for school board. How do I do that? And so I felt like God showed me, hey, point people to the word, show them how even in the Bible, there it lays out the plan to how to have a successful campaign, but show them also just the practical how-tos, how to, how to do a parade, how to raise money, how to give a speech, and equip them to run. So that's what I, I did. And then nine years later, uh, I was asked to run for Congress. And uh, against a 34-year incumbent, chairman of the Armed Services Committee that had almost $2 million in his campaign fund. And, um, but I really felt like God was tapping me on the shoulder saying, I need you off the bench. I need you back in now. And this was after we had the election in 2008 where President Obama was elected. We had Nancy Pelosi taking over as Speaker of the House. And we had Harry Reid that took mm -hmm. over uh, in the Senate. And they just started dismantling everything that made this country great. And, uh, you know, they had to be stopped. So uh, we leap, took a leap of faith, ran, and uh, had a nine-way primary. We ended up having, uh, which I won, and then defeated uh, the incumbent. And now I've been in Congress, this is my 12th year. Uh, feel so blessed to be there. I believe it's a ministry as well as a public service. And uh, I'm the ranking member of the Tactical Air and Land Forces Subcommittee on Armed Services Committee. I have the privilege of representing both Whiteman Air Force Base and Fort Leonard Wood. And that's where I've gotten to know Doug Lamborn, your congressman, mm -hmm. on Armed Services Committee. I'm also an Agriculture Committee. And I'm chairman of the House Values Action Team, which is over 100 members of Congress that partner with the pro-family, uh, pro-faith organizations, grassroots organizations in this country to try to advance faith, family, and freedom and defend our foundational values. So I'm at the tip of the spear in a lot of the uh, culture wars that we are having, but I'm thankful and honored to get to uh, represent the people of Missouri's fourth district and represent Jesus Christ in Congress. Man, that's awesome. I tell you, I believe that this is encouraging some of the people watching this just to hear another voice. We've had on a lot of congressmen and to hear another person who God has called from the time you were nine years old. That's awesome. And you mentioned that a lot of people think that politics is dirty. The reason it's dirty is because Christians hadn't been participating. So, man, I just well, praise God. How do they get your you know, book? You mentioned this book. How, yeah. would, uh, how would you recommend that people get this if somebody's interested? Sure. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble uh, website. It's readily available. And I, I, you made it such an excellent point. 
that was one thing that helped me make the decision to run initially. I was so disgusted with what I saw that one day at the state capitol, but I thought, you know, if good people don't step up and run, that's all we're going to have. And too many times, I think in the Christian community, we encourage people to register to vote and to get out the vote, which is good. But when we get in the ballot box, there's nobody on the ballot that shares our views and values. So I think we really need to pull back our vision and not just focus on election day, but also focus on filing date, filing deadline. What is the filing deadline for your local school board, the filing deadline for your city council? And I encourage people to take five minutes Pray about, Lord, who do I know that I think would be good in that position? Pick up the phone, call them like Bill Day did me, and just ask them to pray about running and tell them, hey, I'll support you if you do. It can make all the difference. And and I I don't know. I do feel like it was a call, but if Bill Day hadn't called me, I maybe I'd still be teaching school. I don't know. But just encourage somebody and and let's take back let's be proactive Amen. as christians let's yeah. take back this government That's at right. all levels and let's put our people on those boards to begin with well you know that's one of the things that truth and liberty we're trying to do to people is to get them to get involved in just this last election cycle in 2021 we had 63 of the candidates that we endorse get elected to school boards, councils, and things like that. And we're making a big push in 22. We believe that Colorado is going to be turned back to a conservative state. Yeah. It's going to happen. Absolutely. And so you've also mentioned that you are now going to be running for a senator position there from Missouri. Tell us what, what God's leading you to do now. Sure. Well, one of our senators, Roy Blunt, announced that he was retiring a few months ago. And several people reached out and asked me to pray about uh, whether to to run for Senate, and I really feel like that's the what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's another leap of faith. But I I'm running because our country's in crisis, and I'm the only one running that has a track record of getting things done in Washington and standing up and fighting for our values. And this is a battle against the heart and for the heart and soul of our nation. Uh, and we need somebody who's ready on day one to be able to take the reins and to be able to stop this train wreck who has the experience, but also the courage, the conviction, and the track record of standing strong for our values and fighting and winning in Washington. And so we are all going all over the state of Missouri. I'm so encouraged by the support that we are receiving. And uh, I look forward to building a team, a momentum, a movement of Missourians to win this race, to help retake the Senate, and to save our country. Mm. So, Vicki, if somebody is watching and they're from Missouri or if there's just somebody that feels like, man, I need to get in and help you, how would they participate in your campaign? Well, thanks for asking that. My campaign website is VickiHartzler.com, and it's Vicki, V-I-C-K-Y-H-A-R-T-Z-L-E-R. But, yes, please go to my website and join with me. Uh, I need to raise millions of dollars, but if everybody listening just invests what the Lord lays on their heart, you know, that would enable me to have the funds that we need uh, to get our message out uh, so that we can win this thing and that we can be a part of saving our country. So thank you for asking that, and, and uh, I appreciate everyone's interest and hopefully uh, ask for your support. Okay, so let me ask you some questions. You're on the armed services committees or some, I'm not sure I got the terminology right, but you're dealing with all of this. What do you think about what's going on in our nation in the way that um, 
You know, we're seeing things happen with Ukraine, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. You're on the Armed Services Committee. There's threats. I think it was just today that uh, North Korea fired another missile and they've had seven tests this month. What's going on? Where does the United States stand in the, all of this? Well, it's, it's very concerning. I believe in peace through strength. And clearly our adversaries uh, detect a weakness in our nation. And it's because of President Biden's weakness, his ineptness, his incompetence that he displayed with, with this withdrawal from Afghanistan that was just horrific. I believe it is was the uh, worst foreign policy debacle in our nation's history. Yeah. Uh, not only to ha not have a plan to basically get people out, uh, leaving Americans. He left $95 billion worth of our technology and our That's equipment terrible. in the hands of the Taliban. And he didn't have a plan to help get our partners out who had worked alongside us, our interpreters mm -hmm. and others. He abandoned Bagram Air Base before he, he got the Americans out. Just every way you look at that whole operation, it was botched and there still are Americans on the ground. So we already had Putin, uh, Xi Jinping in China, Kim Jong-un and Iran already on uh, on their way to wanting to be have once again a stronger position in the world and in China's case world domination. I mean they have a plan and that's their goal. Uh, and since Biden has come into office we have seen increased amounts of activity this week in DC I'm going to participate in a classified briefing on the latest what China is doing with Taiwan but the amount of uh, fly, flyovers that they have been doing in that country um, have increased dramatically after Biden was office. And they, they do plan to, at some point, try to take Taiwan back. And they're a, a free democracy. Same with Kim Jong-un, who is emboldened, as you say, already having seven missile tests. And some of them, we know now, are uh, such that they could reach their intercontinental, intercontinental missiles such that they could reach Guam and potentially beyond. Then we have Russia, who uh, President Biden made some terrible mistakes with him. Uh, first of all, getting back in the New START nuclear treaty without really any conditions at all, and then giving a green light for the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. The same time he's promoting them having that pipeline while he's shutting down our pipeline, the Keystone pipeline. And so, now Ukraine is cut out of being able to provide that to Germany, making them even more vulnerable with over 100,000 people, uh, troops on their border. It is very, very serious. I had the chance to go to Ukraine as a member of the Armed Services Committee, uh, went to the training site where NATO is training their troops on the western part of the country. I visited in Kiev with a bunch of their parliamentarians and was so impressed with them. They're in their 20s and 30s, they're successful business people, they're college educated, they're entrepreneurs, and they say we view ourselves like the founding fathers of mm. America who wanted to put their country on a new path, to reject the totalitarianism of the past, to have a democracy and freedom. That's what we want. And they are well on their way to achieving that. And now it could be snuffed out uh, if Russia takes them over. and. So uh, we need to be strong. We need to not let these bullies continue to um, advance on the world stage. And that comes through rebuilding our military and having a strong foreign policy 
certainly we need to stand by Israel. I'm very concerned with President Biden's trying to get back in the Iran nuclear deal. Iran is on the very cusp of getting nuclear capability. And when they do, we know that Israel will be at risk, our, our best friend and ally in the Middle East. So there's many, uh, much cause to be concerned and much to pray about on the national security front. So let me ask this, uh, since we are being uh, compromised in all of these ways and we aren't being strong, what's it doing to our military to take people who are veteran combat people and kicking them out of the military because they don't take the vaccine mandate? Seems like this is just further weakening us and putting us in a compromised position. You are exactly right. Why would we do do that. It makes no sense at all. We need everybody there. And so many of these individuals who have uh, concerns about the vaccine mandates for various reasons, many of them have served almost 20 years. They've been deployed multiple times. They've received all kinds of military education. They're just the type of people that we need in this time of potential crisis to be there. The experienced soldier, sailor, airman, and Marine and yet the, the Biden administration wants to kick them out. It makes no sense at all. So, and it just shows their uh, incompetence. So we're kicking those people out who've already proven themselves and are combat ready and stuff. And we are attracting people that we're gonna pay for their transition surgery and stuff like this that have no experience and are not, in my estimation, I won't put words in your mouth, but in <laughs> my estimation, these are not the people you want on the front line are transvestites and homosexuals. Well, they, they tried earlier to have this, um, this focus on extremism and after January 6th of last year, and it was totally overblown. They called everyone in off of the battlefield. They had a complete stand down for an entire day to just discuss extremism and to look at PowerPoints and to talk about their feelings. I mean, it was very awkward for all of the, the military. I mean, if you talk to them, it, you know, their job is to uh, win wars and to be an expert and instead of being on the rifle, uh, instead of practicing on the shooting range and, and honing their shooting skills, they had to come in and talk about, you know, whether they've been offended or something and, and start was divisive, uh, looking at other people all of a sudden by their color or by their religion or their political views. You know, most, it used to be that the military was the great melting pot where everyone focused on one mission. We were there to make a strong America, to fight and to win wars. And didn't matter your background, your religion, your skin color, you became an American soldier, sailor and airman and marine. And the way that the Biden administration has been handling this is totally opposite. It's very divisive and it's hard on unit cohesion as well. And so you're on the Armed Services Committee. Our, my congressman, Doug Lamborn's on there, and uh, he's a good guy. He's conservative. Do you have any, what control do you have? I know that you work with appropriations and different things, but you see these things going on in the uh, military. What oversight do you have? Is there a way to change this, or is this just totally the commander-in-chief and the uh, top brass making these decisions? Well, there is a way, certainly oversight when the Secretary Austin, General Milley come before our committee, we're able to ask questions, which I did on extremism. I said, what is the definition of extremism? If you're a supporter of Donald Trump, does that make you an extremist? Uh, what are you doing? Because he had stood up a working group to look at this issue at that time. 
So you're able to ask questions, put them on the spot, make them uh, accountable and answerable to, to this. And he tried to generalize and say, oh, no, we're not getting involved in political views. But still, it's very concerning. The other thing that you can do is through the National Defense Authorization Act, you can offer amendments and you can limit what they do. We did get two amendments uh, passed that have become law now regarding the vaccine mandate. And one of them says that if you are discharged from the military because you do not uh, choose to receive the vaccine, that you cannot be dishonorably discharged. You Praise have to have God. an honorable discharge. That's Man, that's great. And the second one we got passed says that the DOD has to have a, a uniform policy on the vaccine mandates, which includes natural immunity. And that passed as well. But uh, we're yet to see them implement that, and they're already starting to the process of releasing people who haven't gotten it. So we're going to have to keep fighting on that front. But I just find it curious how nobody in the Biden administration will even consider natural immunity. And they just keep forcing people down this one path. You have to take this vaccine. And we're not even sure if the first vaccine is that effective against the Omicron virus or not. I mean, their, their mandates are sometimes don't even make sense. And certainly it's a breach of, I believe, our freedoms that the government should not tell anyone, force anyone, that they have to undergo a medical procedure in order to have a job or serve in the military. Uh, so it is just wrong. And uh, that's why I'm fighting as hard as I can. That's why hopefully as a senator after this election this year, next year in the Senate, we can get this stopped. Well, thank you, Vicki, for standing mm -hmm. up, man. I, we may not have won the war, but we won some battles, praise God. Mm -hmm. Let me yeah. also ask you, as being part of Congress there, uh, we've heard that there's so many Democrats that are retiring and they aren't running for re-election. It looks to me like they see the handwriting on the wall, that they're uh, part of a sinking ship and they're just bailing before they have to put out all of this effort and money and then lose the election. What's your feeling being a member of Congress there? Yes, I agree. And, it's, and it is encouraging. There's this feeling of optimism uh, among Republicans in Congress because it's been uh, pretty ugly up until now. We've lost a lot of battles and it's been very hard. But the winds have changed and the Biden administration has overreached in every way. And they've created these crises, whether it's the energy crisis where we were energy independent, now we're dependent. The economy, they've watched that, and now we have record high inflation, whether it's what happened on the world stage and the weakening of our position and the threat to our national security, whether it's the border crisis that they created. President Trump had a secure border. Amen. All of these things, the American people realize it's their fault. The policies that they're putting forth is causing this pain in the American family. And so they want to change. And the polling shows that uh, Republicans will take over the House, uh, very likely take over the Senate as well, and we'll be able to be a check and a balance and Praise stop God. the train wreck. Then hopefully in a couple more years, we can even get the White House back, and then we can reverse totally these policies and go back to the ones that really work. Mm. And it can't happen too soon for me. I tell you, it's amazing the terrible things that have happened in just one year of this administration. Well, Vicki, the... Uh 
the March for Life was last uh, week, and uh, it was an amazing turnout. The streets of Washington were filled with people, so many young people. Um, I know you are strong pro-life. If you're elected to the U.S. Senate, you know, uh, you'll have the opportunity to vote on Supreme Court justices. And I'm curious, I want to ask, what's your position on the filibuster? You know, the Democrats have tried to abolish it, and, and I know it was already not applicable to Supreme Court justices, but how do you view the filibuster? Is that something we need to keep? Well, we, we do. I think it, you need to have a chance to have thorough debate and to come together. And that's the, the Senate is more deliberative body and it gives the minority an opportunity to have a say in legislation. And what the Democrats want to do is take that away and just rant, run things through like a, a steamroller. And what they want to advance would absolutely devastate our country. They want to pass H.R. 1, which is a federal takeover of our election system, which would codify all of the terrible policies that, like the state of California does. It would do away with voter ID, and it would set up taxpayer-funded political campaigns for members of Congress and the, the presidency. Unbelievable. Uh, under their bill, you get a six-to-one federal match for every donation, $200 or less, if you're running for Congress. Um, it's, it's ludicrous, but that's, they would pass that. They would pass the Equality Act, which is really the Inequality Act, uh, which would codify, make it discriminatory to do anything um, different for uh, sports or education or adoption if you don't give equal treatment for uh, married couples versus sexual orientation and, and gender identity individuals. And they want to change the civil rights law and add those in the definition of protected classes. But it has huge ramifications. They want to uh, put the federal uh, voting system under the federal judgeships. There's just many, many things they would pass. And so we need to keep that uh, safeguard in place uh, to be able to stop those things. Well, I've heard that in the House that we are only like five uh, seats away from being equal, and, and there's dozens that are talking about retiring. So the House looks really good. What's the uh, balance in the Senate? I know it's like 50-50 right now, yeah. isn't it? How, how many are going to be retiring or are up for re-election in the Senate? Yeah, I, I don't have those numbers memorized, but it's there's very key, key races all over the country. Missouri is one of them, so is uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia. Uh, Nevada, um, Arizona, those are going to be some of the key races to watch. But I feel like we're doing very well as Republicans there. Like you said, there's the pushback. And so if we get uh, strong candidates in all those states, I think we're going to flip them and we're going to have a very strong Republican majority there in the Senate as well. And I wanted to go back to some other good news that, Richard, you alluded to a little bit about the March for Life and want to just encourage people that if they weren't aware of it, that there is a case before the Supreme Court that I'm very encouraged by, the Dobbs versus Mississippi case, which could actually overturn Roe versus Wade. And this is something that we have been marching for, the March for Life, and praying for for years, and that that case is finally here. And the Supreme Court right now is weighing that decision, so everyone needs to pray that okay. they, they rule on behalf of life and that they will overturn Roe versus Wade. Now, if they do that, it doesn't mean that abortion will be done away with all across the country, but it does mean it would go back to the states and each individual state, uh, state's elected representatives in their state legislature would get to make those state laws of what would be the uh, 
the plan and the policy of that state and many states like Missouri uh, already have trigger laws in place where if Roe versus Wade is overturned, then there'll be no abortions in Missouri and many Amen. states will be Amen. that way. And it'll save millions of lives if that were to happen. So I'm, uh, I'm very optimistic that we will see probably in June uh, a positive ruling in that regard. Yeah, I just had Janet Porter on my programs, and she's the one that authored the heartbeat bill, and I think there's 18 states yes. now that have that. And like you said, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, well, then it goes back to the states, and 18 already have these trigger legislations that will instantly end it, and there's other uh, states who will also adopt that. Also, Janet said that because of the Texas law that they put into effect, that is a different approach. It actually makes the doctors who perform it liable for uh, being sued, that that has just ended uh, abortion in Texas at the moment, and the Supreme Court has upheld it temporarily. I don't think it's permanent yet. Mm -hmm. But that, whether Roe versus Wade gets overturned or not, this Texas law has another avenue to stop abortion. And, uh, you know, you follow the money. The love of money is the root right. of all evil. And if they make the abortionist have to pay for this, that will stop abortion. So we've got some really, really good news on the horizon for ending abortion in our lifetime. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it's encouraging. It really is. Praise God. Appreciate you being pro-life and standing up and doing that. So we're going to be taking some questions here in, say, five minutes. Have you got any other things that you would like to enlighten our people about? What's going on there in Washington? What's happening? Well, the border is certainly very concerning, uh, the border crisis. And we're seeing, we've seen over 2 million individuals come across and were apprehended at the border just since Biden took office. Uh, last month, we averaged about 178,000 people a month. Uh, if people are familiar with Missouri, you can picture Springfield, Missouri. It's one of our larger cities here, and it's uh, more people than the entire population of Springfield coming across every month. And it's so concerning to me, not only uh, with the number of illegals, which many of them are um, criminals or people that are not here with good intent, but the, the treatment of women and children as they come here, it's horrific. One out of three women is raped on the way. and and. I don't understand Democrats who say that they care about women and children, and yet they're just turning a blind eye and encouraging them to come and make that journey. We need to secure the border, and not only because of the human trafficking and tragedy um, that we are seeing as a result of that open border, but also because of the record amount of drugs that are coming into our communities. And I used to be a high school teacher. I work with kids that were, uh, some of them, sadly, getting into drugs, and we try to help them get back on the right path. But, you know, we had a record amount of overdoses in our country last year. Over 100,000 Americans lost their lives through drug overdoses. As I talk to the law enforcement officers in my district, they tell me that most of the drugs that we see, even here in Missouri, come across the border. So it's meth, heroin, fentanyl, uh, and cocaine. And so having an open borders is killing Americans indirectly by bringing that drug supply in here. Um, it needs to be stopped. The good news is, is we know how to do it because we did that under President Trump. You build a wall and a security system. You empower your border patrol agents to do their job. You have a remain in Mexico policy where you can 
in an orderly fashion hear the asylum claims and determine if they are legitimate or not and, and go accordingly. Um, and you work with the sending countries to try to encourage them to keep uh, their individuals there. So it's not hard. We just need to go back and do it. And uh, I look forward to continuing to fight and, and to make sure that happens. You know, I don't remember Missouri being one of the places that they had the big protest and the Black Lives Matter and the defund the police. Did that happen in Missouri? Did you deal with that? Well, in the cities, there was some, yes, in the cities. I think it was, it was everywhere. But I am actually, uh, my staff and I are planning a uh, Back to Blue Week in May for our law enforcement in my 24 counties. And we're encouraging our communities to hold events that entire week because we need to stand with our law enforcement. They are heroes. Remember when kids used to dress up for school as their hero and they would dress like a police officer? Um, where are we if we don't have people willing to serve their community as, as public safety officers? Well, we know where we are because we can see the cities that have defunded the police and the amount of crime that is just surging and the amount of people that are dying as a result of it. So. Um, it's imperative that we support our law enforcement officers and uh, we're going to make sure they know that they're appreciated here in Missouri. Amen. Well, Vicki, I love everything I've heard you say tonight. I just really <laughs> think you're doing a great job. Yeah, it's I awesome. agree. It's awesome. You got anything? You ready for some Richard? questions? Well, we've got a bunch of questions. All right, let's take some questions here. Okay, well, we've got one here. Uh, uh, Catherine on chat wants to know what you think of all the... Um, freedom convoys and protests going on around the world about the uh, mandatory vaccines? Well, I, it's, it's heartwarming. I, I think it's so encouraging that you remember this isn't just us. This isn't just uh, a situation isolated to the United States of government's overreach and heavy handedness uh, in the name of this pandemic. And it shows that people all over the world thirst for freedom and they they resist it when somebody says, you have to do this and we, we're the government, we're gonna make you do this. And it is imperative that those of us who have freedom stand up for it and make our voices heard. Uh, because if we don't, we've seen in other countries what happens and then it's too late and you don't have that chance anymore. So I think it's, I think it's encouraging. And I heard that there was like, uh, what, 70, 50 or 70,000 truckers in Canada or something? Yeah, miles long. That, uh, that's miles awesome. Miles, yeah. That's I heard that Trudeau left the capital because he, <laughs> I don't know if he was worried about the convoy or what, but they were, they were saying they were going to go to the capital, uh, Ottawa, and stay there until the mandate was lifted. But, uh, and I also read something today, I don't remember what it was, but Trudeau just said something that was so terrible. I mean, it was totally anti-freedom. It's hard to believe that Canada's gone that far, and hopefully this will make a difference. Yeah. Well, here's another question, uh, Vicki. Um, what do you think about the need to improve election integrity? What can the federal government do to enhance that issue? Well, the federal government can get out of the way, for one thing, not pass a federal <laughs> law like Nancy Very Pelosi good. wants to do that would Amen. take over control of the federal uh, election system, allow the states to continue to do that. And I have been really encouraged by the number of state legislatures who have introduced and passed laws since last election, shoring up their state election laws to make sure that what happened doesn't happen again. As far as state, like in Pennsylvania, you know, I did not certify uh, the election returns 
in uh, Pennsylvania and Arizona because I had so much concerns about what had happened there. For instance, Pennsylvania, some of the state election officials just beyond and, and opposed to state law said, we're going to extend the voting uh, number of days that you can send in a ballot. Well, the state law says all of the ballots have to be in by 7 p.m. on election night. That is the law of Pennsylvania. Yet this election official, in the name of the pandemic, just said, well, we're going to change that. And there was other examples like that, where they sent out ballots, even though that wasn't the state law. And you see these examples all over. So the Pennsylvania legislature and other legislatures, Arizona, Georgia, you know, they have passed laws to to make tighten up those processes so that that can't happen again. Um, I haven't done a thorough analysis of every state and every legislature. I'm sure there's still more that needs to be done, but at least I'm, I'm proud of those state legislators who are stepping up and doing what they need to do to shore up their state's elections. But Vicki, let me ask you this. The Democrats, I hear them talk about this and they say just the opposite that if they don't pass this H.R. 1, that that is stopping minorities from voting and stuff. And to me, it's just a total lie. Is there any justification at all for what they're saying? No, it is. It's just a, a sales technique that they have to try to spin their takeover of federal elections and make it sound good. There is no widespread known uh, voter discrimination. You ask them for an example, they can't show anybody that has been discriminated against based on their skin color. You don't see stories of people who went in to vote and they said, no, you can't vote because you have a different skin color. And, and so yet they try to say that because, you know, that they're being denied the vote. There is no evidence of that at all. In fact, what Georgia passed wasn't as uh, stringent at, or was more stringent than uh, Delaware. Uh, the number of days that you could vote early was actually more generous. There we go, more generous than in Delaware, where Biden is from. But they don't care about the truth. They just want to spin it to increase their power and their ability to retain uh, control of the government. And that's the bottom line. And you can't even get on an airplane. You can't write a check yeah. without showing some form of identification. I just yeah. don't understand. Uh, it's just crazy. It's, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, how, how, do they, how do they get away with saying that requiring an ID is going to prevent people from voting, disenfranchise black people? I, I personally would think that's insulting to black people, uh, what they can't get a voter ID. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I think it is insulting, and I've heard several black individuals say that. And most of the laws that are introduced or legislation that's introduced in that regard has provisions if you don't have a driver's license, how you can just uh, very easily apply for a, an ID that can be sent to you for free. I mean, it's not hard. They put provisions in there. But bottom line, the Democrats want to retain power. And so they want to scare people, try to make them think that their rights are being infringed on, and so that they can get them out to vote and vote for their candidates. So it's, it's sad. Uh, I think the truth needs to prevail and the truth will always win. And I think that's also linked to immigration, that one yes. of the reasons they're so excited about having all these illegals come in is because they're gonna give them money and they're gonna basically buy their vote and it's another way of stacking the elections. Yeah, automatic voter registration, anytime you use a government benefit, well that, that plus illegal immigration is guaranteed democratic majority, isn't it? Well, Vicki, uh, we got a lot of questions coming in about um, 
uh, about the, the something that I hadn't seen yet in the news, but it, some people are saying that why is it that Congress doesn't have to get the vaccine uh, since it's mandated? Biden tried to mandate it for the rest of the country. Was that true? Did they exempt Congress members? And is that just more privileges for the elite? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't really know. I haven't seen any document like that. Um, I, probably because the Biden administration doesn't have any control. The executive branch doesn't have control over the legislative branch. So he can make these mandates or try to, I disagree with them, but for federal employees in the different agencies that he oversees, the executive branch, uh, and he oversees the military, because that's part of the Department of Defense, but the legislative branch, I mean, I'm elected by people in Missouri, so they're my bosses. Uh, he is not my boss, <laughs> I don't answer Amen. to him. So that's probably the delineation there, is that he doesn't have the authority to try to mandate members of Congress, because we serve uh, the people that we represent, not him. Have you got to meet uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert from Colorado? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's was, great. We were just on the phone with her this afternoon. She's going to be speaking at our Truth and Liberty Conference in September. And boy, she's a pistol. She's standing up. God's raising up some people with some backbone. And I just praise God yeah. for what y'all are doing. It's great. Well, uh, we, we've got a question on here about the uh, President Biden's uh, promise to nominate um, a black woman to the United States Supreme Court. Do you think the, the president's main consideration when nominating someone to the high court ought to be their race and gender, or should he be looking at their uh, beliefs, their philosophy, and their qualifications? Oh, absolutely. They should be looking at qualifications, their experience, their beliefs. You should not ever appoint anyone or elect anyone based on their gender or their skin color. That just makes no sense at all. And it's to me, it sounds very discriminatory. Um, so it's unfortunate that he is doing that. I think it narrows down the availability of the qualified candidates that might serve very admirably on the Supreme Court. And it's too bad that he is excluding so many uh, others who really deserve to be considered. And, you know, I believe that as long as people are sinners, that there's going to be racial problems. There will be people that just do things wrong because it's sin. But all of this emphasis on race and inequality hasn't narrowed the gap. It's made it worse. It's amplifying the negative parts. And I think we are a lot more divided now than we were back before Biden and before all of these protests. I don't think it's helped, it's hurt. It's not a good thing. Yeah, I was disappointed uh, when President Obama was elected. Uh, you know, he has a, a white mother and a, a black father. And I thought if somebody could really speak to both sides and bring people together, be a unifier, you know, it could be him. But sadly, it didn't turn out that way. No. He just continued to speak divisively and the country separated even further. But that's where in Christ, we are all one and we are Amen. all the same before him. And I really feel like that's the solution that our country needs, certainly in every area, but is for the gospel to go forth and people to have the saving knowledge of uh, Jesus Christ, because that's what unifies us. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, I, I just hope and pray that we'll see revival in our land because that's where Amen. the hope for our country is. It's not going to come out of Washington, D.C. Right before this broadcast, I made a little video for the Black Prayer Network. 
And I told him, I said, I'm a little bit lighter than skin than most of them. But I said, the answer is just what you were saying, Vicki, that the answer isn't all of these other things. It just comes down to the heart of people. And Jesus is the only answer to change the hearts of people. We have to find our commonality in Jesus, not in all these other things. Amen. Amen. We just need a revival. I agree. And I believe we're in it. I believe we are too. We are in the really beginning are. of it, and Vicki, you are part of the answer. Praise God. We appreciate it. Well, that. it's exciting time. It's always exciting to be a Christian and be a part yes. of what God's doing and to to just be able to serve a God that hears and answers our prayers and, and loves us and cares about us and uses us ordinary people in other ways to help and touch the lives of others. And it's just uh, every day is exciting uh, to see what God's going to do and how you can be a blessing to others. But... Um, I just hope that more people have a chance to get to know him. And Vicki, here's a question for me. You're on the Armed Services Committees, and, and you may not be able to answer this. Maybe top secret, I don't know. But I just heard that they had some kind of a satellite. I think it was China that went up and grabbed a satellite, and they're able to move it miles away from where it was. And they were talking about the potential danger to our satellite network. They're also uh, firing these supersonic um, missiles and stuff. How do we compare to this? Do we have an answer to this? Or are you able to say that? Um, I can say that um, publicly knowledge that we have been developing in our country, uh, trying to develop a hypersonic weapon for several years, but we're not there yet. Um, so what China did earlier this year, uh, public sources say that that is more advanced than what we have. And um, that's very concerning. A hypersonic weapon missile is launched and it goes into a low Earth orbit going five times the speed of sound and it can maneuver. And so it's very difficult to detect and it's very difficult to uh, stop, to apprehend. A traditional ballistic missile, and this really is rocket science, but you know, it just goes up in an arch and then it comes down. And so you can... Uh, forecast the trajectory, the speed, and then we have success, been successful in launching an anti-missile, you know, satellite that 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 hits it just at the right time and takes it out. But when you've got a hypersonic uh, weapon that is going very very fast um, and it can move around, it's very very difficult. So we have to double down on our research and get there as quickly as we can. Uh, to match that in the National Defense Authorization Act that we've passed is now law. The president has signed it. Uh, we do dedicate more money to go after this so that we can have that same capability. Um, I won't comment on the, uh, the satellite uh, thing that you just shared, but I will say this is why President Trump stood up a space force. And people laughed at him at first. They're like, oh, this is like outer space guys. No, it's because so much of our national defense now is dependent on what happens in space. And you think about all of the satellites we have that control our GPS and uh, not only, you know, uh, intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance satellites, there's many different kinds of satellites in orbit. And if any of those are taken out through different methods, it could be very damaging to our economy, to our country, and it is now part of a warfare plan that every country would have in their uh, wheelhouse, not only a plan for the Navy, plan for what the Army is going to do, but they're going to also involve um, uh, cyber, cyber attack, 
space attack, what they're going to do, and it's a whole different type of warfare uh, than we even had a few years ago. So this is very serious. That's why it's imperative that we rebuild our national defense. That's why I have been a leader in seeing that we get that done, uh, because there's only a few things we should be doing in Washington. Providing for the common defense is the most important thing. Mm. And uh, so rest assured, I'm going to continue to do everything I can uh, to make sure that we have the capabilities we need to meet any threat that we may face. And I just read today that, you know, they're uh, proposing all of these sanctions against Russia if they invade Ukraine. But uh, uh, the Russians said that if, that if they impose sanctions on them, they're going to do cyber attacks. And so there's just so many ways that we're vulnerable. I pray that this administration is taking it seriously and, and like you were saying earlier, going to be uh, peace through strength rather than sitting there just hoping that everybody treats us right. Amen. And we appreciate you Thanks. being on our program and we appreciate everything you're doing, Vicki. And again, would you just one more time uh, advertise this book and if anybody wants to participate in your uh, campaign running for senator, tell them how they can do it. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's fun to be with you all tonight. Running God's Way, you can get on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And uh, I would encourage people to consider going into the ministry of public service Amen. and serving uh, God and others through running and serving in office. But I would encourage you also to go to my campaign website, VickiHartzler.com. In my race for the U.S. Senate, I uh, would love to continue this service and to be able to fight for our conservative values to be a leader in Washington that is standing strong and to do everything in my power, plus to make sure the power of prayer is part of that to save our nation. So thank you, VickiHartzler.com. Amen. Thank you, Vicki. And thank all of you for watching. You know, we do this every Monday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and uh, we are seeing God do some great things. Yes. We uh, are just, God is blessing us and promoting us, and I think that it's making a difference. And so, again, if you would like to be a part of Truth and Liberty, you can go to our truthandliberty.net. Is yes, that correct? Sir. Yes. And uh, sign up, be a part of this, and uh, we would just love to have you help us reach as far and as deep as we can with these truths. We want to thank CTN for carrying this on some of their network. Thank you very much for doing this. What a blessing that is. And praise God, I believe that together we are making a difference. So God bless you. Thank you for being with us. And we'll see you again next Monday night for our next Truth and Liberty livecast. God bless you. Good night. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.